This is the DX Podcast, proudly presented by Wondrous. On this episode, Mirko and Peter have a delightful conversation with Nina Schacht. Hello and welcome to the second episode in the second season of the DX Podcast. On this show, we welcome my very dear friend Nina Schacht. We recorded our conversation over video in January. So please excuse the patchy quality and sound. Everyone here at Wondrous really loved working with Nina, who lives and works in Berlin. So we hope you also enjoy the conversation as much as we did. Hey, Nina. Hello. How the heck are you? I'm doing fine, actually. I just uh, arrived from outside. I had a nice walk in the snow. We have snow in Berlin, sun shining and... um, yeah, just came back into my room talking to you. Well, it's actually snowing here in Basel as well, um, or this side of Basel. What's it like over on your side of Basel, Mirko? Yeah, when I look out the window, there's definitely snow. No no sun so far, but uh, snow, yeah. Well, enough enough weather banter. We might actually be uh, <laughs> sending this podcast out in the summertime. Who knows? Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so full disclosure, um, you and I are very good friends. Uh, yes. Nina, I, ha- I have to mention this um, because we don't always uh, interview people that we're very good friends with. Um, uh, you and I are very good friends, and you are one of my wife's uh, best friends. Um, but I found uh, you know, the, the kind of area that you're in is, is really interesting for us as, as Wondrous. Um, we've worked together as well before already on uh, one or the other project, and hopefully more in the future. Um, and I think one of the, the really good things about having this podcast is we get to actually choose who we talk to and we get <laughs> to talk to people that we're interested in talking to. Um, so um, would, you, would you mind at this point just kind of walking us through your journey thus far? <laughs> sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, it's great having these professional talks. Um, and it's nice about the digital work that we can have it like sitting in Switzerland and Berlin. Well, my professional path so far, um, well, I initially studied psychology and um, actually during my studies, I went to Canada for um, for a term and I messed up the timing and ended up with three months not knowing what to do. And there was a market research agency who said like, hey, why don't you make an intern? So uh, here, 15 years later, I'm still in market research. Um, I'm in qualitative market research since 15 years, also had like a little bit of peaking into quantitative market research and roundaboutish, I would say five or six years ago, um, I topped up on design thinking because like, um, back then I had clients who said, well, it's great that you deliver us all these great and amazing insights of users and consumers, but actually we want to go further with you we want you to go the process with us uh, and go into innovation so basing ideas on what you found and uh, i remember back then i said like no no way um innovation is not my style i can't moderate a workshop the client was very insisting so i started doing that and i'm still thankful so design thinking is in the portfolio now as well and um, i dropped out of being an employee four years ago since then i'm a freelancer and uh yeah still doing market research doing design thinking workshops and actually two years ago again i guess that's part of my story another agency came up and said like hey don't you want to do ux research with us or for us 
So actually I was um, for seven months uh, interim UX research lead at an um, eBay company here in Berlin. Um, I have to admit back then I had to Google what UX research is. I had no idea. Uh, nevertheless, I did it, uh, and I did it for seven months. Uh, and like my latest endeavor was um, building the UX research department at an e-mobility startup here in Berlin. Um, Tier, you might know the little e-scooters in your city. Um, so I built the UX research department there, and actually, after that, I realized that I, apart from doing research I would also find it interesting to teach research and uh, in last in the last fall I founded the Needles Academy which is a platform that is growing right now for everyone interested in research to get all that question answered that's the short wow, story thank you. <laughs> thank you thank you for uh, leading us through your career um, in in a couple of sentences um, just so many questions. <laughs> Re research, quantitative research. Like what? What does it mean? Okay. Um, and and what kind of what lit that f fire of passion in you to go into something that sounds, uh, sorry to say it, like maybe relatively dry? <laughs> oh, it isn't. It isn't at all. Qualitative <laughs> research is 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 very interesting. Uh, I actually have a background in psychology as well. I have a a bachelor's in psychology and uh, qualitative research is like the best thing you can do i think <laughs> <Same. laughs> i'll let you talk talk about what it is exactly uh, uh, you is know it? much better it's been years for me <laughs> <laughs> well i mean maybe let's first start with the differentiation quantitative versus qualitative research quantitative is like all about numbers so you measure stuff you want to know i don't know uh, what percentage of people think that uh, how which percentage would buy that so you really quantify everything that's quantitative research and uh, qualitative research where my passion lies is um, that you dig deeper into the why um, you understand why people are doing what things uh, what, what their needs are their wishes um, you enter conversations and chat with them about the whereabouts of what they do how they do it why they do it and um, it's well, I just love it. <laughs> First of all, it's all about humans and it's about conversations. And like on a meta level, what I really love about qualitative research, it pushes you out of your tiny little nice bubble you're living in because it forces you to talk to people you might potentially never meet. I mean, we all grew up, uh, went to university or school, and we kind of surrounded ourselves with people we like, we love, who are like-minded to do the same stuff, who potentially furnish their houses or flats in a way I, I could imagine furnishing my um, flat. But when you do qualitative research, you go out there into the world and you step into all these different bubbles and enter different flats and different lives and learn how, how people live and, and, and think and what their passions are. And uh, so, um, yeah, as Mirko said, it's not dry at all. It's actually kind of, it's an adventure. It's about discovery. So what what from your perspective is the like the biggest difference between working with these big corporate corporate kind of um, like incumbents and and working with with the very kind of agile lean like startup kind of mentality? I would say the main difference is the speed. Like the startups are is, is just like wow. I mean, working I think one year in a startup is like working four years in a big corporation. 
it's just amazing and um it's the speed and the speed is actually paired with a higher risk taking i've been seeing like in the big corporations i mean needless to say of course they exist since years or decades so they have their processes so whenever you want to make a decision or when talking about a product or talking about an innovation you have like these loops and loops of of stakeholders who have an opinion about it, of budget that, I don't know, someone has to sign and the next person has to sign. And in startups, um, well, if someone thinks it's a great idea, they let you run. Um, and that's that's amazing. That's really amazing. But that can also be quite chaotic. <laughs> but you feel it's, it's, it's something that more innovative in a way? Or does it just seem that way because everything's new anyway? Mm, I have the feeling that the startups have to be more fast moving because like um, most of them disrupt a market and you don't just disrupt a market and pull yourself out again or wait but you but you only stay in that market you're only successful in that market if you keep on innovating um, and I mean, that's kind of, I mean, it's not the official definition, but that's kind of like, for me, the definition of startups, you know, they, they take an industry where there have been, I don't know, big corporations who have been doing things in a specific kind of way for decades. And then someone comes with a new idea, disrupting, doing things differently. And um, whereas in the big corporations, you do have a lot of discussions like we've always done it that way or we've already tried that or that's never going to work. The startups are rather about like, hey, let's try. Why not? Um, and yeah, and I would say like that's the biggest difference. And how, do you think um, this kind of user research area is, is something that, that um, startups use to put a lot of um, kind of uh focus into um or is it something that's newer nowadays <laughs> uh, i love that question because i have the feeling that doing research on the user and on the consumer corporations are way stronger in. um some some startups not not all totally not all but there are startups who are totally how to say founded on the idea gut feeling wisdom of the founder um and sometimes these persons think i don't even need research because my gut tells me this is the right thing to do so why should i even bother and spend time talking to others i, I would say that that was stronger three or four years ago by now the yeah the consideration of actually it's really important talking to the user and not just making decision based on a bored gut feeling um, change but um, yeah well I, I grew up doing a lot of research for the big corporations and sometimes I have the feeling they even over research so it's kind of like for tiny for tiny decisions we do research where I think like honestly probably based on experience or past research we could have decided that whereas startups are rather like okay we are on um, velocity here right now we want to launch we don't have time for for research that, let's test it <laughs> <laughs> let's bring a it to the testing. market like, you... <laughs> no prototype but jump into the mvp right away would you say that's that's related to the risk taking that you mentioned before like is it with with big corporations is it a lot of like cover your ass like don't make a decision without doing all the research doing all the a b testing 
having like some data to back it up like is isn't it is it not allowed to go with a bit of experience or gut feeling is that like a difference? um i i think that that is one thing like i said like the organizational structure um that you are made responsible for potentially like a wrong decision the second thing is like uh, when we're talking about these big corporations um we we rather talk about physical products and startups well not all of them but most of them are rather working in the digital field so it's like when you make a decision you have to put developers on it and everything of course it costs as well but you don't have to i don't know change an entire manufacturing process or how to bring products into the supermarket so also the the consequences are quite often lower than as a older decades old uh, corporation saying like okay now we're gonna change everything so it's kind of it's, it's different reasons and what would you say i mean you've been uh you've been working like full-on in this kind of industry for the last 15 years you said before yeah um <laughs> and so like you you started your career off in in this area and you've you've seen so many different things in the meantime from from big to small and medium size mm -hmm. and and different colors and shapes and sizes what would you say your kind of your dream project would be <laughs> Um, wow, that's, that's a really difficult question. Actually, I would say like my, my bosses in the past asked me that as well, you know, like trying to give me the opportunity. And my answer was always my dream project is where I do have a strong collaboration with my client. So it's not about a specific topic. I think any topic can be interesting if You do have a client who trusts you, who lets you do, who lets you try out things, who doesn't, uh, I don't know, puts unrealistic deadlines on you. Okay, this is blah, blah, blah. I'm just realizing I'm still thinking about what my perfect project would be. <laughs> But it sounds like your perfect project is more a perfect client. It's more about the people, project. I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the one thing I learned in the last years is like, it's, it's, The, yeah, of course, the topic is decisive as well. And the, I mean, there are topics that are more interesting or less interesting. But it's rather the team. It's it's the spirit. As you said, data collection, like, is a, of course, like at the core of research. And if you have a like-minded person with whom you can bounce ideas and realize, like, hey, uh, this means that, and, and, and bring it further, it's, it's kind of this playing of thoughts together um so yeah I, i would say it's rather about the humans than about the actual topic oh that's nice to hear <laughs> <laughs> especially in in these times when like we're we're discussing over um video all the time and and like everything seems quite uh, digital anyway the the human aspect is still so important um and like, I mean, we built this amazing office uh, a year ago that we've <laughs> hardly spent any time in now Should, yeah i can imagine um but but for some reason we we built a bar into that <laughs> office and it kind of seems like a bit of a, a serendipitous move uh, to be honest like because uh, we won't spend so much time 
like doing focused work in there anymore because we can do that from our home offices. Mm -hmm. What we're going to be spending time uh, doing in the future is um, like sitting at the bar and and like drinking beers and and um, kind of you know getting to you know not know how how all of these things kind of intertwine um, mm -hmm. with each other. Um, so please yeah, invite me by the time it's possible again. I want to come. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we we hope it's over soon. It'll it'll happen. Yeah. It'll, it'll happen. No, but, but honestly, I mean that's really the thing, and that also like what also kept me in the industry. I mean, like coming back to the beginning of what we talked about, it's it's about the humans and this entire job. It's just so amazing how many interesting, smart, passionate, funny, witty. And also stupid people you meet, and you know, and that's <laughs> that's all the fun of it, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. I I'd want to ask, um, like, how difficult is it, or can it be, to get trust when you when you come into some startup or a big corporation or whatever, and you're there with this very specific role, and you're supposed to facilitate something. Uh, how like how do you get people to trust that you're a professional and that you can actually help them is is that just part of the skills you've built from your qualitative research like you ask the right questions so they know you you're on top of things or... <laughs> well if, if i find an answer to that i will i will make an online course about it um because i, I because i think i think every i think everyone is asking themselves like how do you do it and it's well i i grew that skill over years you know and I, of course there are how do you say tips and tricks you know as you just said you know i would always say first rather listen than talk um if there is something you don't understand ask that is one of the most important thing i learned in my career um because that shows people that you listened and that you are interested and i don't know maybe it's then a mix of personality your style um because i would say quite often that i'm not well, how do you say that i'm not that professional you know i'm 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 not this <laughs> business girl walking in but somehow people trust me and have the feeling that i know what i'm doing although there are a lot of moments where i'm just thinking like how the hell can i get out of here again so i guess it's like this also calm yeah giving this calm feeling to the people in the room like kind of hey i know what i'm talking about and yeah i could probably talk for hours on how to build that trust um but magically it works people trust me <laughs> i don't know why we trust you nina <laughs> peter why why do you trust me <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but honestly, I think the thing is, it's a lot about um, authenticity. So staying true to yourself, not, not pretending to be someone else. And honestly, when I, for example, entered Tier, um, the e-scooter startup, I felt like being on a different planet and people like totally talking a different language. You know, I was just like, I, I had no idea what they were talking about. And at a certain point, I realized, honestly, I don't have to understand everything because I'm not a developer. I'm not a designer. I'm not, you know, I'm no IoT expert, but I have to understand the meta level. And um, 
so you learn to to ask the question to understand the meta level and then people trust you because you know i'm quite open and like sorry guys i have no idea what you're talking about but i think the problem right now is i don't know that we don't know how how to get there or you're, you're missing this piece or or whatsoever and um yeah that's kind of like the magic recipe <laughs> So what actually led you to, to want to create a, a platform to educate people in, in all things uh, research and um, design thinking and those kind of things? What was, what was the, your motivation to do that? Um, well, I, I do have two motivations. One is very personal. I, I, that, that comes at the, after the first motivation. Well, the first motivation was that I have seen a lot of areas which are trending in the last years, design thinking, US, UX research, this, this entire consumer experience and uh, with all those uh, startups and companies founding, I have the feeling that research has a renaissance. You know, uh, when I was like 10 years ago, we had to fight kind of like research is important and now I have the feeling everyone's doing research, which I love, which is really great. Uh, but w which also leads to the fact that a lot of people are doing research who have no education in that area. And I wouldn't say that it's a magic area. No one can learn with high walls and you have to, I don't know, uh, go to university for 20 years or whatsoever. But there are just some do's and don'ts and all these kind of things. And I see a lot of research that is going on that that's just not very good. So... Um, that is the one thing I, I see the need out there, uh, and I also like the feedback I'm getting on, on on what I'm doing right now. I really see that there is the need out there, and I'm also like coaching startups on all their research questions. That is the one thing, the one motivation. So helping those people because they will do research anyhow, no matter whether they have tips and tricks or not. They they will do it, and they will probably suffer. Because there are like a lot of things you can just avoid if, if someone tells you, hey, you know, don't, don't do it that way. Uh, and my personal motivation is actually I've been doing tons of research in the last 15 years. I love it. But it's also a very hard job because um, it takes a lot of social energy. I mean, imagine like last week I, I was doing a project where I had nine group discussions, uh, each lasting two hours. So I was moderating 18 hours. It's fun. I love it. But afterwards, honestly, I just need vacation because it takes so much energy because I don't just sit there, but I but I interact. I, I build trust. I, I listen. I laugh. I joke. And so um, I don't want to do research or only research until the end of my life. So the quiet person motivation is also like, hey, doing it a little bit, teaching it more. <laughs> cool. And so I, I guess you've learned a lot also building a learning platform. Oh. Something completely new for you, huh? <laughs> I think everything went wrong that could go wrong, yeah. Uh, and I'm still, I'm still in the learning process, actually. Um, but uh, it's it's all fail forwards anyway, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the backwards view on it. Um, if you're in that situation, you you don't feel like failing forwards, but rather being stuck in an unthinkable situation. <laughs> uh, what do they say, Mirko? Um, better better delivered than perfect, or something like that. Better built than perfect. Better done than perfect. Oh, I 
I, I don't want to hear to that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, I mean, digital has has, uh, has not been something that's that's uh, followed you um, during your whole career. Is there was there a particular moment when you were like, um, uh, this is something that I can use to make products better? Was there a particular kind of um, you know, enlightening kind of moment where, um, where you were kind of struck by the thought of like, there's this, there's this whole new world out there and, and <laughs> you, know, you can start talking about A-B testing and, and um, those kind of things. Honestly, that moment of truth was brought up on me <laughs> because I was, I was rather working in the physical world, uh, physical products, uh, and then I had that uh, agency reaching out to me like, hey, um, what about your X research? And um, interesting thing back then, I mistook UX research as UX testing, which uh, well, UX testing is kind of like about... I, I show you a prototype and I want to know, do you want to have the button um, lower, higher, red, blue, green? And uh, I found that quite boring. Um, I rather like those study where I dig really deep. Um, so I thought like, no, yeah, X testing is nothing for me. And then I realized, oh, but you X research, that's really interesting. So it kind of like happened like a lot of steps in my career. Someone from the outside brought me to the idea. And then I thought like, hmm, why not? Um, so moment of truth came again from the outside. <laughs> and now you've been working with these these tech startups as well. So um that um like use and every power of, of what digital can, can give you. Um so that must have been a like a really interesting journey to take for you as well. Totally. Learning by doing and being paid for it as well. That's, yeah, uh, yeah. Don't tell well anyone. Done. Don't tell cut that out. No. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think bottom line, um, between everyone's going to kill me for that, but bottom line between physical project and digital project on the human side, it's not such a big problem, um, difference because it's always, there is someone who uses it and there's always someone who uses it for a reason or who doesn't use it for a reason. So understanding you know the underlying needs why someone or what or the job someone wants to be done it's the same in both it's the same with digital as well as physical project and um, products so um it's not that different you work with a little bit different tools and use different um, vocabulary but um, it's not that different after all well, ultimately, I guess a product is a product or a service is a service, uh, whether it's uh, digital or, or not. Um, exactly. Okay. Huh. That's an interesting way to look at it. Um, and I guess you have uh, a lot of colleagues and collaborators, um, not just in Berlin, but um, elsewhere as well. Um, are there any like particular tools or methodologies you found have helped you to collaborate with them? Um, and of course, especially now, um, where everything is so um, asynchron, what mm. would that be in English? Um, uh, asynchronous. Uh, well, thank you, Mirko. <laughs> asynchronous, uh, where everything is, is asynchronous. Um, the funny thing is I realized with this entire thing going digital that I networked less because I already had so much 
screen time, which beforehand was face-to-face -face time that I kind of felt like, oh gosh, and even more networking in a digital way. But what, what me and my community will classic, classically do is, well, we do a lot of Zoom calls or whichever platform there is, um, Slack groups, all these kind of things. And actually I turned to um, going back to the good old phone you know, um, just talking on the phone because then I can take people with me on a walk, you know, so it's not like this being stuck at the desk and staring at a screen, but kind of like, hey, I'm going shopping anyway or enjoying the weather. I'm just going to talk to you. So, yeah, nothing. That's where my wife is all the time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I, d I didn't know you could talk to people using a phone. I thought it was <laughs> <laughs> the good old dog and bone. Um, absolutely. Um, what um, I, I wanted to ask you, sorry, sorry. I wanted to ask you about um, something our our listeners won't be able to see, but we're on video. You have behind you. It looks like a <laughs> closet with the words "Hello, welcome" <laughs> yeah. written on them, and I, I think that's very charming. It's like welcoming people with a video call into your into your office i guess i'm not sure what kind of room it is maybe it is just <laughs> a closet uh is, is is there some some thinking behind that some idea i, I think it's very charming well, uh, thank you else. uh actually it's rather that i had to change my setup because like the camera was into another part of the room and it looked quite chaotic and then i realized okay i'm gonna change it and that white cupboard just looked like I was sitting in a clinical context. So I figured I have to do something about it. Um, so it seems like I was succe successful because a lot of people comment on it. Um, but uh, it wasn't that deliberate. It was rather ra spontaneous. Like, okay, I don't want to look like uh, sitting in a doctor's office. But uh, Well, exactly. People are suddenly becoming aware of what's behind them. Yeah. Um, because that's what people see of, of like my, uh, my house. Um, yeah. People are suddenly coming into my house that would only meet me in the office before, yeah. and yeah. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting way to kind of, um, or an interesting development, especially. Um, totally, and honestly, I also see that a lot with research because we, as a research scene, were quite afraid that uh, if we're not able to meet people face to face, you know, like what what dimension are we losing? You know, what intimacy are we losing or trust building? And I realized in, in the past month that actually this stepping into the households of my participants without physically being there helped them quite often to open up even more than in that face-to-face -face situation because I am there, but I'm not physically intruding. So it's uh, an interesting dimension we gained. And one thing that I've been probably spending way too much time thinking about lately is um, the, the kind of creative um, aspects as well. It's like how um, like when you spend all of this time within your own four walls and, and uh, you're, you're, you're locked in and, and like you don't get the chance to go out. And as you mentioned before, take walks and have telephone calls and that kind of thing. Um, like let your let your thoughts wander. Um, it's like how this is something that's become quite prevalent. Like how how do you go about 
um, this this with this new situation to develop kind of creativity and and new thoughts and and get inspiration that you otherwise um, you know, would maybe go to Milan for a weekend <laughs> or you know go to go to a couple of museums or mm -hmm. um, and now we need to find new ways to kind of go about with mm -hmm. exactly that. So yeah. I think that's interesting. It, it, it's really difficult, and I think we're all suffering from it. I. I've just been to a supermarket and I, and I caught myself, I think, staying in there for 30 minutes. Just look like, oh, they have new butters. Isn't that beautiful? Because it's like the only thing that can inspire me right now is, is like food shopping, you know, and I was... Oh, God. I know. I know. <laughs> this is very sad, but it's true. Um, so, um, and I honestly, I realized digital stuff... <laughs> This online stuff, I don't get that inspired by it. I This two-dimensional staring at a screen after I've already been in front of a screen for eight hours, it's just, I don't know, it doesn't click with me. It, you know, it doesn't mm -hmm. bring me to new thoughts. It's, so I'm, I'm really walking a lot right now. Um, How's your company going? Um, well... Like like the academy with the the teaching platform in the building, um, I would say it's it's growing more and more, and more and more people reach out to me and um, yeah, giving feedback, telling me like, hey, could you also like make a course and cover that, or can you help me with that? Um, coaching startups um, one on one, that is the one thing. And while I still, of course, have my bread and butter business of uh, research and design thinking and innovation, and that's going like crazy it's uh companies just want research right now it's uh everyone wants to understand what changed how are people doing do they use products differently have needs changed will it is it like a a change that will last or are we just living in this i don't know how long it will last little bubble and everything will go back to normal after after it's over so, but do you think? But do you think companies are starting to embrace the the situation, and, and in a way that they you know, might have a desire to accelerate particular initiatives that they weren't ready to beforehand? I have the feeling that the entire topic of sustainability is massively growing right now, and I would have the hypothesis that that's also due to the situation we're in right now because we we you know like everyone is talking about are you here everywhere it's like the situation we are in right now does it also have to do with us humans exploiting the, the planet too much and i also hear that a lot in the interviews and the group discussions so i i feel like that a development that was already there i mean it's not new the topic of sustainability and all these topics but it, that that's really getting stronger um yeah apart from that I, i think companies are struggling right now because just yeah no one knows what's gonna happen you know where 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 will we start spending our money again by the time everything's open I, i don't really know myself you know will i spend everything on services and restaurants or will i, I don't know, will i ever fly again if i can um uh, 
probably yes. But, um, you know, all these kind of things, it's, it's like no one really knows and I think no one really has the answer right now. We can just look at the status quo and trying to understand what is happening right now, but where it will lead us to, I think, gosh, I'm really interested. I, I have no idea. Will we bounce back? You know, will this be an accelerator for topics? I don't know. Well, thankfully, there's a very good um, a train connection between Berlin and Basel. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I kind of wonder also how how do you stay up to date when um, you know, things are um, so disparate and and like there's no conferences that we can go to anymore. Um, are 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 you finding new ways to stay informed about what's happening in the industry? Do you feel that platforms like um, Crowdhouse um, are any good to kind of stay up to date with those topics? Or do, uh, no, sorry, I was about, do you mean Clubhouse? Not Crowdhouse. Oh. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Gosh, now you're pushing me into a topic, Clubhouse, and my perception of it now. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just kind of wondering about how you stay up to date, and if 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 uh, Clubhouse is something that might be useful for something in that direction. Yeah. Or... Well, starting with the first point, like how I stay up to date, it's it's a lot of reading right now, um, and yeah, I just miss these conversations. <laughs> it's a lot of I don't know dialing into meetups, um, see what people are talking about on LinkedIn, on Medium, um, what people are writing about, all these kind of things. Clubhouse, I have to admit, I stepped in and kind of stepped out, I think three days later. Um, I'm, I haven't found an access to it. It's, I, I, <laughs> I, I listen to people talk like, unstructured i mean maybe i was in the wrong clubhouse rooms but it was <laughs> i don't know it was kind of overhearing a conversation in the bus you know and maybe you're lucky and they talk about something you're interested in and maybe yeah. you're unlucky and think like mm, yeah well thank you so um i've been in one clubhouse meeting where uh, thomas Gottschalk, i think tried to unmute himself for 10 minutes it's like wow okay so um that's like watching the paint dry. <laughs> uh, Mirko, have you been have you been trying out the the Clubhouse app? I haven't. I haven't. No. Um, well, like, yeah, I I, I don't want to have an opinion on it, or at least not a strong one until I've tried it. But uh, I do have an opinion on it. Well, Nina, <laughs> Nina, and myself, we were we were talking about this uh, chat. Like, was this LinkedIn? I can't remember. Um, we we had some uh, banter going back and forth, and like this is useless. I can't like I have no idea what this is for. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I think maybe a day later or so, I kind of dropped in, um, and I saw a conversation going um, that was really well moderated, mm. um, and there seemed to be um, a methodology behind it. And and um, it was a friend of mine who was. Who was doing a really good job at like keeping it interesting as well, and then kind of passing the ball on when it. Uh, anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> it, that's when it started to make sense for me when I felt that it was it was very well moderated mm -hmm. and that someone was taking care of of you know, also curating the right guests um, in a way, mm -hmm. and then it became a panel discussion. Um, and and something that you could listen to on the bus. Mm -hmm. um, uh, if that's something that you do, um, or I on don't your take bicycle. public transport. Anymore, <laughs> but, um, you, know, but that's, that's, you only take scooters, right? <laughs> yes, 
Um, no, honestly, I think that that's a very interesting point. Um, a, a well-moderated discussion, I don't know, with, with questions, questions following up and all this kind of thing. I think that can really be enjoyable, but the stuff I listened to was rather private conversations or if I'd like... On, that's already my job. Hey, I'm having. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, yeah, I, I didn't see the benefit. I I might drop in after our little chat here just to see whether that's still that way or whether it improved in the last weeks. I mean, it's it's a it's a medium, right? So it, it, it's what you mm -hmm. do with it. It's like, uh, I mean, people post a lot of bullshit on linkedin no really <laughs> too, so. yeah you, you haven't noticed that. I didn't know. but it is interesting that like like this new i mean it's it's not really a new type of media right it's just audio but it's it's just a kind of a remix and it makes sense in the in the current uh, climate i guess I, i don't know if you're familiar with um quibi no no uh quibi quibi was like a a streaming startup um i think they they went live last march and their whole speciality was um very short form video uh that worked in both portrait and landscape mode it was made to be looked at okay. on your phone and very short form as in like three minutes but there's like a an episode of tv that's that's 20 minutes but it's in three minute segments and their whole target was people commuting sitting on the mm -hmm. bus that's why i thought of it sitting on the bus sitting in a train or, or waiting in line for something and just looking at their phone and having these three minutes to get a bit of entertainment and then of course the <laughs> pandemic happened and uh no one was commuting anymore no one was sitting in lines uh no one was just had a, a bit of free time they had a lot of free time and then you don't want <laughs> ultra short form entertainment right And I, th I think it's just such a, an, uh, a nice story about, well, maybe it's not a nice story. It's a quite mean story, but uh, about how bad timing yeah. uh, can really yeah. wreck your yeah. shit. And honestly, I'm totally sorry for them. Yeah, I think in different times would have been probably the thing because, yes, the need was there. And what I find interesting about Clubhouse is that no one can see me you know it's audio based as i said you know like it, it's not screen time but but i can i can interact just based on my voice it, it kind of feels like a step backward you know like with oh with phone you can be on the phone yes you can and um you, you can you, you can just listen to the conversation and what i find interesting is by just listening i can do something else i can mute myself i can do supermarket shopping and like like i said i didn't like the content yet but I like that the medium kind of boiling it down and not sitting in another chair um, for long meetups or whatsoever. Well, I hope we can get you down to Basel someday <laughs> for, a, for a DX meetup. Oh, um, I'd love to. I'd love to. We'd love to have you for sure. Um, and the way it looks right now, we'll be restarting them in September. So fingers crossed for that. Cool. Um, I can I can I, give you a fuck up night of all the strange things that happened to me in my research a lot. <laughs> oh, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you it's amazing. We yeah. need a lot of fuck up nights. Uh, <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Um, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, as always. Um, I learned some new things about you as well. Um, <laughs> so uh, it, this DX podcast has a positive effect on me as well. Um, <laughs> 
hope to hear from you soon. Well, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure chatting to you, with you, Always with you both. Pleasure. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. Nice, nice to, meet, to you. meet you. Bye. We have reached the end of this digital experience podcast. Thanks for listening. For further information about us, please head over to weawondrous.com.